And see, that, that's pretty weak. I, I'm going to pray for all the rest of you. Like a fourth of you got what you wanted. How many of you gave what you wanted to give? Well, that's better. All right. Let's read now. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And look what happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And look what happened next. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts, multitudes of angels, appeared with the one angel, praising God and saying, let's read it together, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And who's his favor rest on? Those who have turned to Christ. Jesus brings the favor of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for your blessing. And we pray in the name of the Lord that you will bless your word and help us to realize what you did on that Christmas more and more than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him one last Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Amen. Well, our prayers are with a lot of our folks who are on the road and, and that God will keep them safe. Now, we've already seen that God sent an unusual star. I talked about it last week. When Jesus was born, God sent many signs and wonders. A sign points to something, and a wonder makes you wonder. Okay? He sent many signs and wonders. A, a star he sent to secular scientists. They were astronomers. And now to the shepherds, he sends an angel. Now, in what I just read to you, I see four things. And let me share with you what I see. And we're going to skip over them or go over them briefly today and let God speak to us through his word. But here's what I see. First, there was a visitation. And then after the visitation, there was a proclamation. And then following the proclamation, a confirmation. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that in a few minutes. And then after the confirmation, there was a evangelization. So first there was a visitation. They were visited by angels. Then a proclamation on the part of the angels told them something really crucial. Then, the, then their word was confirmed. There was a confirmation. And then that resulted in evangelization. Anytime God visits you, really visits you and touches you and blesses you, you there ought to be evangelization as a result of it because you can't keep it in. How many of you can say, God has done some things in my life. I could not have kept it in if I'd tried. Amen. That's what I like to see. A church bursting with witness. We ought to be spiritually pregnant with vision. And if you're not now, I hope you are by the end of this message. Now, a visitation. What happened? These shepherds were just minding their own business, uh, doing what they'd always done, just going to work. It was a normal work-a-day day. Same old, same old. They went to work, pulled the night shift. They had to pull the night shift as shepherds because that's when the predators prowled on the sheep. Uh, lions, wolves, bears. And so the shepherds pulled the night shift. 
and they would watch over their flocks, the Bible says, by night. Now, as they were watching, and just, you know, I, I imagine them, and I'm just trying to be real here, but I imagine them just talking to each other about typical stuff, you know, paying the bills, raising the kids, trouble with the wife, just stuff, normal stuff. Or maybe they were talking about politics, which men tend to do, talking about the misery of the Roman oppression, the heavy taxation they were under, you know, we sure need a change. And they were just, they were just talking. Now catch this, church. All of a sudden, and I love the word suddenly because when God shows up, it's almost always suddenly. And there was a divine suddenly. Suddenly, catch this, standing in front of them is a mighty angel of God. An angel of God. Can I tell you today, angels are real. As a matter of fact, there's probably angels in this atmosphere right now. You know how I can say that? Because the Bible says that he, he sends his angels to watch out for those who are his. He will give his angels watch over you. He will give his angels, he commissions his angels to watch over his children. I think one of the shocks of heaven is going to be this. We're going to be shocked to find how many times God sent an angel and rescued us when we didn't know it. All those times that you thought you just kind of got out of something, there was an invisible personality there that God had commissioned to watch over you. Really believe that. If we can have our eyes open right now like Elijah prayed that his servant's eyes would be open, when he said, Lord, open his eyes, he saw chariots of fire and angels all around them. And then Elijah said, greater and more are those who are with us than those who are with our enemy. For every one demon who attacks you, there's two angels fighting for you. One third of, angel, of, of the angels rebelled with Satan, with Lucifer, against God. But that left two-thirds of the angels on our side, not to mention God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost. So if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So here they are. They're, they're just talking about the normal stuff. And, and here's an angel. An angel suddenly appears. And with the angel, a bright and a shining light shone all around them. Suddenly, night became day. The Bible says God is light, and wherever God shows up, it is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So God is light. He showed up, and everything lit up. So here they are having this incredible visitation, an incredible visitation from God. Now, the angel they saw is not described, but in the rest of the Bible, other parts of the Bible, we do have angels described. And so what is a real angel look like? What do we need to understand about angels? Well, let me just give you a little information about angels because I believe as the days grow darker outside with that world, there's going to be more and more angelic visitation like you see in the book of Acts. Over and over again, angels were dispatched to help the disciples, to help the apostles and literally deliver them. It was an angel that smote Peter on the thigh and had him stand up and walk out of prison. It was an angel Get ready. I believe we're going to see angelic visitations as the months go by. 
and the years go by. First thing the Bible tells us that angels are spirit beings. They are not human beings. They are spirit. Pneuma is the Greek word. They are spirit beings created by God. And the Bible says that they are ministering spirits sent to minister to those who are to be heirs of salvation. They are ministering angelos, angels, messengers. And they are sent to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation. So how many of you believe you're saved today? All right, guess what? You're going to have angelic activity in your life. Now, we are never to worship angels. We're never to focus angels. We're never to become angel-obsessed. But they are real, and they minister to those who are to be heirs of salvation. They can take on human form. We see angels visiting Abraham. We see angels appearing to various of the Old Testament patriarchs. We see angels manifesting to Daniel and some of the prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah. And and when they do, they can take on human form. But the Bible says that they are neither male nor female, although they usually, well, they always appear as a man. Sorry, ladies, I'm not being, you know, chauvinistic here, but they never appear as a woman. They appear in manly form, and that's just something God has done. They are not effeminate looking, nor do they resemble beautiful women like you've seen a lot of the artwork from the Renaissance period, the Middle Ages, Raphael, Da Vinci, some of the great painters from that time period. They always show a lot of time the angels as effeminate and, and uh, with wings and all this stuff. The Bible doesn't show any of that. They don't appear effeminate. Nowhere in the Bible are angels described like the the pictures or the paintings or the figurines of little baby cherub angels, like little happy little Buddhas with wings that we so often see. That is not, that is not what the Bible portrays angels to be. Let me tell you how angels appear. They always appear as awesome, awe-inspiring, even frightening beings. When they appear in the Bible, they appear very tall, very physically imposing, often with a sword. They often execute judgment. They bring messages to people who have been praying. We see in the book of Revelations and in Matthew, Mark, and Luke where Jesus is talking about the end of time. He shows the angels being sent out to gather the final harvest. They gather the wheat and gather the tares. When Jesus returns, the angels are sent out. They are awesome beings. Let me tell you something. Let me just pop your bubble for a minute. They do not come. People say to me, or I've read stories. Nobody has really said this to me, but I've read stories. People say, oh yeah, I saw an angel and we danced in my living room. Let me tell you something. Angels don't come to dance. You have not danced with an angel. Okay? You have not. Angels come on kingdom business. And when they're done, they return back from whence they have come. They do not come to dance with us or to chat with us. And let me tell you, church, we never command an angel to do anything. Angels are under the command of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of angels. He commands the angels and they do his bidding, not ours. You can't tell an angel to jump. This is, this is crazy. When angels show up, they've been commissioned. 
awesome beings. It's no wonder that those men who were keepers of Jesus' tomb severely, quote, shook and fell down like dead men in terror at the sight of the angel that appeared because, quote, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Imagine lightning flashing across the sky and freezing and coming down and being right in front of you, a frozen lightning, how frightening that would be, the energy, the power, the force, the brilliance of it. There you have a picture of an angel. When human beings in the Bible saw angels, they fell down. The prophet Daniel had an angelic vision and he fell down, trembling and shaking. And the angel had to stand him up and tell him not to be afraid. And Daniel wrote that he, he saw the sheer number of angels and they could not be counted. They were innumerable. He wrote of seeing God's throne room where, quote, thousands upon thousands of angels attended him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, almost unable to count the sheer number of God's mighty angels. It takes one angel to judge a nation. One angel. They are awesome. So here's these shepherds. <laughs> you know, what about that? high taxes we're having. What are, you know, how's the wife? And all of a sudden, poof, an angel. And then there was a proclamation. The angel made the announcement that a very special baby had been born that was a fulfillment of ancient Bible prophecy. Here's what he said. Luke 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. Now, this was huge. Now, when the, the star appeared to the wise men, they did not know the Bible. They did not know God. They were Gentiles. They were outside of the covenants of God. They were secular scientists who suddenly saw a star they did not understand. It so intrigued them that it drew them, and they finally ended up saved because the star that God sent drew them to Jesus. But to the shepherds, they sent an angel, and what the angel said, I believe the shepherds instantly connected to Bible verses that they had heard taught in the synagogue. Because by this time, Roman oppression was so bad that when the Jews would go to the synagogue for the Sabbath, and they would listen to the Word of God. Often, the speaker would talk about the Messiah who was to come. This was a hot-button topic. They were believing God for that Messiah. And so here's this angel saying, what you've heard about and what all the Jewish people are expecting has arrived. You've got mail. Wow. Here, here's what I think. They immediately connected this announcement to a 700-year-old prophecy made by Isaiah. And as I read Isaiah's prophecy, I want you to listen how closely it resembles what the angel told these shepherds. Therefore, the Lord himself, this is Isaiah 7, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child. Now, that's a sign. A virgin will be with child, a miraculous, supernatural child. The virgin will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that's exactly what the angel said, that the whole idea is there, that a, a, a man, a, a 
A male is going to be born. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. They connected it to the prophecies of the Old Testament, and they knew that this was a huge, historical, defining moment moment in the life of Israel. Isaiah predicted a miraculous birth would take place by which God's Messiah would enter the world to die for the sins of men. When Jesus came, it was not so we could... Feel sorry for a little baby born in a manger on the other on the backside of the hotel. It wasn't so we could feel sorry for him and sing sing emotional songs. Listen, Jesus came on a rescue mission. He was a rescuer. He came, he invaded a planet under siege. Do you understand that? He 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 invaded a planet under siege. This planet was under attack by the devil, our arch foe. Millions upon millions and billions of souls were at stake. Man's fall had to be undone. Blood had to be shed. The curse had to be canceled. And Jesus came to do it. And here it was. Prophecy had become reality. In fact, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, watch this. I'm going to throw some numbers out so you're going to have to really think with me for a moment. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus fulfilled hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. Hundreds were fulfilled to the T. That's why when somebody says to me, how do you know the Bible is the Word of God? One of the great ways you know is the prophecies of this book. And you don't ever have to be ashamed of the Bible. As a matter of fact, you don't have to commit intellectual suicide to be a believer or to believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe you have to commit intellectual suicide to deny it. Because the Bible is the Word of God and the prophecies in it, the ones that have been fulfilled were fulfilled right down to the final jot and tittle. Just like God said, 100% accuracy. For instance, Isaiah predicted... As well as Isaiah 7:14, the birth of a baby, he predicted the purpose, the method, and the manner of Jesus' death. He predicted the way that that baby would grow up and die. As to the method and manner, Isaiah wrote that he would be spit on, beaten, that his face would be marred, disfigured more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. In other words, he would be unrecognizable as a man or as a person. He would be so abused and beaten by the very creatures he created. His mother could not recognize him after he was hung on the cross. It all came to pass just like Isaiah prophesied. All of it came to pass. The Gospels record that Jesus was beaten. He was slapped. He was punched. His beard was plucked from his face by the roots, and he was given 39 strokes with a cat of nine tails, taking him with an inch of his life. That's tough. That's horrible. That's gruesome. That's beyond imagining. Mel Gibson, even in the, in the, the, the horrific way he showed the beating of Jesus in the movie, didn't come close to the reality. And Isaiah tells us the purpose for this terrible abuse and what happened to Jesus. Here's the purpose. He was wounded for our transgressions, wrote Isaiah, 700 years before the fact. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now get this, folks. The same Bible that totally accurately predicted everything about Jesus Christ, his birthplace, his manner of birth, in Bethlehem, 
all the things surrounding his betrayal, his crucifixion, his resurrection, the same Bible that predicted all these things also predicted that Jesus would come a second time. Now I want that to move on you for a second. It predicted very, very clearly that Jesus would come a second time. Now get this. Here's some more numbers, but this is very powerful. There are nearly 500 Old Testament prophecies predicting the return of Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, one in every 25 verses describe Jesus' second coming. That's a lot of verses. That must mean he's coming again. That means the Bible doesn't want us to miss the fact that the same baby that was born in Bethlehem, the Messiah, is going to return not as the Lamb, but as the Lion of Judah. He's going to return. In fact, about one-fourth of the entire Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? About one-quarter of the entire Bible is prophecy. And about 90% of all that prophecy is for the end time the time that is just ahead of us. I told the service last night and the early service today, I'm really praying about doing a couple of weeks on signs of the return of Jesus. Because, folks, we are experiencing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy at warp speed. You, you open up the paper and it's like you're reading Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. How many of you would like it if I spent a couple of weekends on the signs of his return and what's happening? then I'll probably do it. The Bible predicts that Jesus Christ is absolutely going to return, not figuratively, but literally he's going to return. It's not going to be off in the middle of nowhere where nobody sees it. His second coming, not the rapture where he comes and like a thief in the night and takes his church away, but the second coming, the second coming of Jesus will be visible to the eyes of the entire world. The Bible says that he will return in clouds and every eye will see him. He will land on the Mount of Olives, said Zechariah, and the Mount of Olives will cleave from east to west and Jesus will take the world over. Can I tell you today that the world is not going to be ruled ultimately by a Marxist, by a socialist, by a Democrat, by a Republican, not by any human being, but it's going to be ruled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's right. It's absolutely true. Say, so do you really believe that? Of course I do. Of course I do. Because the same Bible that said a baby would be born and grew up to be Messiah, died on the cross, the same Bible says he's coming back. A couple of prophetic passages about his return really stand out to me. Let me share them with you quickly. Revelations 1, verse 7. Revelations, that incredible book, opens up this way. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes, that's ethnicities, all the ethnicities of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. Every tribe, every ethnicity, every skin color, every human being will mourn because of him. We'll say, Pastor, why will they be mourning? Because it'll be too late. Here's what they're going to be saying. When he comes, it'll be too late. The angels will already have been dispatched to gather the wheat and the tares. And here's what they'll be doing. Oh, no, it was true. Oh, it was true. As he literally appears. 
when Jesus comes back, everybody on the whole earth is going to see it. His return will be accompanied with widespread regret mixed with fear because they had the chance to repent and didn't do it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's why we witness now. That's why we do everything we can to reach as many as we can, as fast as we can, in as many ways as we can. Because the time is short, I'm convinced. In Mark's gospel, Jesus describes the exact scenario we just read in Revelations. Jesus said, in those days, after great tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. Every eye will see him coming in the clouds and thousands of his saints with him. Supernatural and unusual cosmic signs will dovetail with the return of Christ. Darkened moon, darkened sun, stars shaking in the sky, falling from the sky, meteorite manifestations, the universe literally convulsing at the end of time. Now, I repeat, if the Bible was totally accurate with the first coming of Jesus, then it's going to be spot on with the second coming of Jesus. Are you ready? So we see a visitation, then a proclamation, and then we see a confirmation. And I love this. Luke 2, verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds looked at one another after this incredible visit, and they said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They found exactly what the angels had said. So what was it? It was a confirmation. Now let me apply this to you and me today. God still speaks today. You do know that. Don't tell me God doesn't speak if the devil does. If the devil can speak, God can surely speak. And you know what? This is his word. But you know what his word doesn't tell you? There's not a verse that says you should marry Joe. Y'all there? There's not a verse that says you need to get a job with Goldman Sachs. There's not a verse that says... Uh, you need to call that person and make things right, is there? there? There's not verses. In other words, there is there are principles in the Bible, but sometimes we need God's guidance in our own heart, and God guides us today. God still says, this is the way, walk ye in it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not stay down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And, and the Lord guides, the, the, God, the Lord speaks. He, he, he reveals his will individually to you and to me. But how do we know what it is? Well, one of the ways you can know what his will is, is with profound peace. When something is God's will, he gives great peace. But you know what else he does? He confirms his word. You, you can pray, you know, Lord, I, I'm really praying about whether or not I should marry this person. You know, I love them, but, but should I really marry them? Well, you need to do a background check on them. Now, that's free from you to me, from me to you. These days, you better do a background check, and you need to go find out everybody that's ever known them and talk to them. Now, that's free. That's not in my notes. But I've been around long enough to see Love can blind you and make you stupid. (laughs) 
But one of the ways that God will speak is he'll confirm. He'll confirm. And what I see here is Joseph and Mary had four powerful confirmations of what they believed about this child. First, it was the shepherds. Now, you know when the shepherds came and found the baby Jesus, just like the angels had said, they didn't just look at Jesus. They turned to Mary and Joseph and said, you're not going to believe what happened to us tonight. We were just sitting there minding our own, and angels appeared, and a mighty angel told us just exactly where we would find your baby, the condition he would be in, the setting, the context in which we would find him. The angel told us, this child is Messiah. And the Bible says Mary hid all these things in her heart. The word hid there in the Greek means lock it down, means, means watch over it and guard it, lest the enemy steal the word from her heart. When God gives you a word, you lock it down with faith. You say, I'm going to watch over this. I'm going to guard it. No enemy, no devil is going to steal from me what God has said to me. So it says she kept all these things in her heart. But then she took the baby Jesus into the temple, and two people immediately spotted him and held him up and prophesied over him that he was the Messiah of God, Anna and Simeon. And then two years later, here comes wise men from the east. They looked at Mary and Joseph and said, we just finished a 1,500-mile journey. We followed a star that led us straight over your house and stopped. This child is God. Confirmation, four of them. Four of them. So there was a visitation. There was a proclamation. There was a confirmation. And then it resulted in evangelization. And I want to close with this. I, I believe when God really touches somebody, they cannot keep it in. I, I, if, if Jesus really gets into your heart, let me tell you what you will not be able to do. You will not be able to keep it to yourself. How many of you have ever fallen in love? Let me see. How many of you hope to? No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you have ever fallen in love, all right? Now, I want to ask you a question. When you fell in love, could you keep it to yourself? All your friends knew what you felt. Your parents knew what you felt. Everybody you could find, you had the stars in your eyes, and you told them, I am in love. I have found, I have found the one. And you talked about it and talked about it. It ought to be the same way with God. When Jesus comes into your heart, it ought to result in evangelization. Look at what they did. When they had seen him, they spread the word. Can you say with me, spread the word? Now, that's what, that's what red hot, in love with Jesus, people do. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and look what the result was. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Do you know what I want for 2014? I want to amaze Fort Worth. I want to amaze Fort Worth. I do. Now, now that meaning Burleson, Johnson County, that meaning Arlington, that meaning the mid-cities, that meaning as far as we can... I want to amaze people with what Jesus Christ has done in your life. When you've really been touched, you amaze people with your testimony. Don't you know that our country has heard enough of scandal and heartbreak and murder and rape and pillage and demonic activity. Don't you know that it's time for a red-hot church to stand up and amaze people with the testimony of Jesus? Come on, everybody. I'm serious. Well, Pastor, can I amaze anybody? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said about you. You're the light of the world. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Churches are supposed to bring an amazement to their community about what God has done. And that's what I'm believing for in 2014. They amazed. Healed people. Healed people. Delivered people. Delivered people. And convinced people. Convinced people. These shepherds were convinced. And they said, we're so convinced this is the Messiah, we're going to go tell everybody. And they spread it. Now think of the night they had. And I'm going to close with this. Think of the night they had. They just went to work. Say, ah, oh, yeah, here goes the night shift. Imagine yourself going to a 7-Eleven pull the night shift. Here I go to work, 7-Eleven. Ah, got to put up with all these weird people at 2 in the morning. Here we go, pulling the night shift. And you're there in 7-Eleven with maybe one or two others, and all of a sudden an angel appears. And the angel tells you that just not far from you, God has been born. And you leave and go find it and shut up the 7-Eleven, lock it up and go find it, and it's true. And then you go out and you become the first New Testament evangelist. That's what they became, the first New Testament evangelists. They went and told the whole town what they had seen. And can you imagine when the sun rose, what kind of night they had had? This is what you call a real night. A real night. A vision, a confirmation, and my life has been transformed. We've all had the same kind of thing, and we're going to have a year. Let me tell you what I believe. America is going to be very troubled in 2014. America is going to be rocked by some real trouble. But every church and person that seeks God and takes a stand on his word is going to see the glory of God, the favor of God, and is going to do exploits for God and amaze people. I believe that. I believe that. If you believe that, stand up with me today, and we're going to have a prayer. How many of you needed this today? Amen? I want to pray for you. Can you bow with me for a moment? And I'm going to ask you to just reach your hands up towards heaven. We stand here, church, right now, at a extremely pivotal moment in Western civilization. Very, very dark things are happening out there, but God's in control. And the Bible says, the eye of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might find someone whose heart is turned towards him that he might show himself powerful. I want to be one of those, and I want you to be one of those whose heart is turned towards him, that he can show himself powerful. Father, you see all these people, and I pray over them as I've prayed over the other two services. And Lord, we come to you as simple human beings like those shepherds. And yet, Lord, you have visited us with the Holy Spirit. And you have given us a proclamation that if we turn to you, we would be saved. And it was confirmed because we were saved and we were transformed 
as your Bible promised. Now, Lord, let it result in evangelization. Let it result in us spreading the word everywhere. And we pray that Turning Point is not the only church in town, but it's one of the churches in town. And we pray that, Lord, you will enable us to see the glory in 2014, to reach more than we've ever reached, to see the expansion that I believe you've shown me is coming, and that we in our individual lives, Lord, would see a great awakening and see the glory of the Lord and the power of God manifested because we set our face to seek you today. We will seek God. Lord, I pray if anyone is here today whose heart is far from you, draw them near in this pivotal, crucial moment to the foot of that cross of Jesus, that they would be forgiven and saved. Now, Lord, now say with me, church, we commit ourselves to you, Lord. For 2014, to see you powerful, powerfully manifested, In the name of Jesus, amen. Now give him a hand of praise. That's good. That's good.